In this episode, we continue to discuss the career of John Williams. Enjoy! And we're back, everybody, and we're going to start this one with 2005's War of the Worlds. Um, this one, guys, honestly, I didn't really have a lot of notes for because it, it felt generic, mm-hmm. which feels mean, but hopefully not so much because this one, to me, felt a little bit of ripoff of Star Wars, just just a little bit yeah here's only a couple of things that i wrote down it was gritty intense kind of really all over the place fast kind of predictable and i said come on john williams very much like star wars so so maybe i was worried about that so have you Um, ever heard that maybe you just wanted it to sound more like star wars maybe it it just it didn't feel very original. That's what I think I came about this one. This one I had a little more criticism about John Williams for this one. I have to agree. It, you know, because it didn't honestly feel it didn't feel different than other things I've heard before. Have and I heard the book? Like the Orville Wells? I don't think so. I read that in a class once. No. Or- I definitely read that when I was in high school, whether it was for fun, I can't remember because it totally oh. might have um but um did we talk about what it's about anyway no go ahead so um let's see is that what do you want to read the do you want to read the little bit of bio that i have on top of it yeah i think that's what that is yeah sorry go ahead um Doc worker ray fairer who's played by tom cruise struggles to build a positive relationship with his two children um Rachel, Dakota Fanning, and Robbie, Justin Chatwin, when his ex-wife, uh, Mary Ann, played by Miranda Otto, drops him off at Ferry's house, it seems as though it would just be another tension-filled weekend. However, when an electromagnetic pulses of lightning strike the area, the strange event turns out to be the beginning of an alien invasion, and Ferry must now protect his children as they seek refuge. So it's literally just pretty alien invasion. Um, Twilight Zone has done... Uh, things related to War of the Worlds, like they put out broadcasts and um, those are whack if you ever get a chance to go listen Panic to the it. population. Mm-hmm. And so when I heard the soundtrack to this movie, it definitely wasn't, you know, I, I just wasn't exactly about it. Um, it kind of felt like a cop-out because we've heard this ostinato. It just seemed like uh, the uh, 16th were in a, on a different beat. Um and said, Buffy, bug it up, Buffy, bug it up. You yeah. Know, it wasn't big, beat too weighted. And I was like, that's just not it for me, Chief. Um, <laughs> it, that isn't to say that it isn't bad, because it definitely, it makes sense. I could see it being alien invasion, but it's like a knockoff version of a late 20th century. It seems outdated, even though this was made in 2005, which is whack right. to me. Um, mm-hmm. Especially, like, when you go and watch a movie like Alien, it's like, can John Williams write what we want to be existential horror? I don't know. Um, Mm. But he did, I mean, we just talked about Prisoner of Azkaban, which is dark. But is that dark for John Williams? Is that his vein of dark that he can... I just, I wonder why... Is it because Star Wars was just so incredible that now anything that sounds like star wars is star wars 
because that's an interesting thought because every kid's gala I've ever played and we play Star Wars, you can literally hear children whispering Star Wars when it starts. Yeah. And yes, it has happened on pieces that are not Star Wars. So <laughs> it's just, it's something. Yeah, that you play that Mars and they're like, it's Star Wars. And you're like, no, it's not. No, yeah, it's exactly. Not. Um, but actually, that totally could happen. Um, it's just, that's my two cents on this one. I, I wish that there had been. What's the name of the the two legged robot in Star Wars? The ATAT. Yeah, the ATAT. No, no, no. Um, the uh, ATST. ATST. Um, that's what this soundtrack makes me think of. Is mm. like an off brand version of the scary things. Right? <laughs> One that you can easily knock over. You know, maybe that one's easier to beat so it's like oh you're kind of cute um which downplays ultimately the type of fear that they were trying to instill with this movie um if you go and listen to the twilight zone broadcast they're kind of freaky um mm -hmm. but yeah and I, I do think that the formulas like uh, we talked a couple songs ago about um it having a more formulaic um kind of algorithm-like style of writing. Um, and I think that this one, he kind of showed his hand a little bit, so to speak. He doubled up. But um, anyways, who else wants to... Hunter? Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's more of a... It's a... What do I, how do I want to say this? Someone before mentioned generic. I can't remember if it was Sean or Mary, but... Um, it, it is very generic sounding. It sounds like any movie involving aliens, mm -hmm. where it's like they're a, they're an invading, uh, they're a they're a extraterrestrial force. They're evil. They're here to slaughter us all, and that's the end of it. You know, and, and you know, not every score is going to be a winner. And sometimes even you know, like if the movie is the only composer can do to help it. And I feel like he was yeah. really trying to help this one. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It might just be... Yeah. <laughs> I'll stop you know, that. like, I hate to say it that way, but... Right, no, no, it's, no, it's, it's true. true. Um, it is true. I have one last thing just to say, because I should qualify this a little bit. Because um, if you think about the target audience of the book, it was more like middle-class, average American family right. you know, like dad um mm -hmm. who inflicts fear and you know um i i think that it was generic can be a two-sided term in this instance because generic can be kind of detracting in a way where i've seen this before but it also is specifically tar targeting the average joe like it's not mm -hmm. Um, take this what you will. No, these aliens are here to kill you. Um, right. and you don't even matter. Like you, you don't have a story. Um, and I think that that blindness in some ways, the perspective of some of the themes that you see in it, just because an alien invasion story is an alien invasion story. He did ET. He already did that kind of thing. Right. So this is straight up like guns blazing. Like, um, we're going to chop off heads and yeah. Suck so, out your brains and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's um, very blatant. And maybe when John Williams does blatant, he was just like, okay, 
here we go. And I just, <laughs> there it is. But um, I don't know how many people actually remember the soundtrack to these kinds of movies. Not you know, generally. You know what's interesting is this movie got a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Mm, yep, that sounds about right. So do that what you will. Um, and the next song we're going to talk about is <laughs> Memoirs of a Geisha. Uh, also mm-hmm. came out in 2005. Uh, which one? I wonder which one became more successful. Um, I'm just I'm just curious because it looks like this one did much more. <laughs> What's more successful than that one? <laughs> um, and you know, just like Amistad, John Williams did do his research. Um, the cello soloist is Yo-Yo Ma. Incredible mm-hmm. piece of art. And the um, the piano in the cello in this together are really beautiful. I think it's actually John Williams who's playing with him in this recording. Really? Which is actually, which is actually pretty cool. Um, devastatingly breathtaking. Um, the range of the cello, I, I just find it to be so fascinating that it's able to cover just so much in, in a very small amount of time. Um, and it's really interesting because... And again, I love John Williams, but but John Williams, just please stop writing serial music because mm. you're terrible at it. Just leave it to other composers to do that. You are you are not very good at that. Um, but in this case, it's not classical, but it, it's so good and it's so wholesome and it's so nice. I just wish that he would write in a more of this style for other instruments. He doesn't have to be, you don't mm-hmm. have to be super crazy original John Williams. You can stay to standards and write like that. And I think it actually works pretty well. Um, however, uh, I did know that the movie was problematic, but John Williams does his work and does it really well in that it doesn't offend anyone else. So I really do like this composition in that he works really hard to make it sound really good and unique and different. And the slow and the, the kind of like the churning aspect of this piece is what kind of makes it really beautiful to me. Mary, yeah. Hunter, um, Mary? I, yeah, there are some things about this movie. Um, but the one thing I really liked about what he did was cello and piano have historical tradition like uh Basso continuo kind of things where there, there might be a bassoon there too or a uh, violin um but some sort of combination of harpsichord keyboard uh cello it creates um a musical space that sounds like a lot of the repertoire um when you think about music that has been written in, in the entirety of our history how much of that is going to be for strings? How much of that truly, if you were to literally go by number, mm-hmm. um, I feel like it's going to be a really big number for that kind of voice. So that means it's, it's common enough. Um, it already gets to a point of familiarity with an audience. Um, and the cello also um, is uh, often called like closest to the human voice. Um, I think euphonium gets that moniker sometimes. Uh, I've heard 
people say porn is like that, but I don't know if I truly believe that. But um, cello has uh, the ability to vibrate in so many different registers um, that the amount of emotion you can drive through lines and the fact that it's bowed so it doesn't ever have to stop. Mm. Um, you can create just these macroly large spaces of melody that, you know, you might as well put serially, unfortunately. But um, it, I just, I think it's really well done. I think that having piano with it is just simple enough to, um, it's almost like because it's so simple, there's only two voices, it creates kind of a cage between the two of them. Um, and that open space where it could be a whole lot thicker, there could be some um, more dense spots in the orchestration, he could be doing more. I think that it paints perfectly the kind of mental attitude and space that the character portrays in a lot of the movie. Or is you know, forced to endure. Um, but anyways, I, I definitely just thankful that it's the Yo-Yo Ma score. <laughs> it is beautiful. But um, Sean is right about the writing somewhat. Um, but the actual like atmosphere that it creates, it absolutely fits. And I think it's um, definitely, you know, a respectful work games it's not like the last one we talked about yeah uh hunter yeah no mine was um you know my my thought process when looking at it and looking at what the story is about and sort of how they all work together i think it was a good choice to have just piano and like mary said you know historically they're they're connected his uh, piano and cello, I think, uh, together can be a very powerful combination. And it also goes to show that Williams doesn't necessarily need a large orchestra, even if that's where he does his best work. Um, it's clear he does know how to scale it down a little bit more to and achieve some sort of very um, atmospheric work. Sort of like Patronus's light, where, you know, it's not, there's not a lot going on necessarily in that, but it does create this broad sense of, like, ambiance. Lanes you know what I mean? So I didn't have too much about that, but I did note that. And yeah. um, like you said, despite any controversy around the film, it's clear that the music portrays, you know, the the style of music from the eastern part of the world, particularly Japan, where he was, you know, where the film is supposed to take place. Um, so I think that in that way, he sort of elevates it, like we said before about a movie that might struggle it elevates, the, the music elevates it up a little bit more. Right. Yeah. Um, and we're going to continue with more serious works when we come back from our break. But before we go to our break, it is time to talk about our sponsor, Anchor, and how lovely it is. And we've been with Anchor for about more than a year and a half, and it's been so lovely having them work for us. And uh, I'm just so happy that we're able to sponsor them for this break and if you're interested in following us on any social media platform we are on twitter we're on instagram we're on facebook we're on tiktok and hunter says the youtube and if you're interested in following us on twitter we are at music speaks underscore pod on instagram we are music speaks underscore podcast on facebook we are music speaks podcast on tiktok we are at music speaks underscore podcast and on youtube we are music speaks podcast 
So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we got some more serious John Williams works to get us into the 2010s. So stay with us. Uh, it's hang on the button. I was looking for the button. And after that, we are done with our. Sorry. It's... And after that, we are done with our uh, fourth John Williams installment. Thanks for listening, guys. And of course, thank you to John Williams, ever the mastermind. Um, truly, there is no one better. Uh, especially in film scoring, but um, the deeper that we get into this stuff, the more I'm convinced. So, um, anyways, let's just recap for a little bit. Um, when we listen to John Williams' music, what is one of our biggest takeaways? You want to take this one first? Yeah, I'll go first real quick. Yeah, and I, th I, think, I think what's interesting is the way his harmonic language has changed throughout his entire career. We're at the really the apex of his career where he's starting to write some really memorable music. And um, going forward into actually today where he's writing some really great stuff still and hopefully maybe by the by the next point we talk about John Williams part five, we'll be able to maybe talk about some Kenobi mm -hmm. uh, music, which would be really exciting. So Hunter, take it away. Yeah, I think the... Uh... You know, like any composer, his, his style has developed. And this is something we've talked about with him before, which is that his style has changed in that, you know, I think the, the focus of whatever sound he's going for changes. I think he sometimes, in his early career, he was looking for more brass sound. And then I think he looked into more of a, a string sound. And then towards the, the turn of the century, I think he started experimenting with some other sounds like using choir as a, as a focal point and um, a lot of different rhythms, like almost stylistically different, you know what I mean? Which we've talked about with some of the pieces, particularly in this round. So I think it's, it's, a composer can keep their sound while still uh, keep their signature while changing the vehicle by which their signature is delivered. It's like we pay you the big bucks, man. <laughs> that was that was perfect, Mary. Yeah, and um, uh, kind of like how Hunter was saying, um, one of the tracks that struck me the most on the soundtrack, other than you know Harry Potter, mm -hmm. uh, was uh, Catch Me If You Can because he really does just change um, his orchestration and a lot of the um, I'm throw a Sean word in, aesthetic uh, <laughs> of how he generally writes his early scores are really like bombastic for the most part and then um, uh, as we go on and on you see his voice evolve and so I think it's really interesting to see it used in so many different ways during this one decade um, but anyways, I, I also, I mean, he's done so much else that we haven't even touched outside of film scoring. Um, and I just, I can't get enough of John Williams at this point. We have a horn concerto, but it's, it's really hard. I, I bet. 
you know what's interesting and we'll have to do a classical music one with him as well and uh, we will continue and finish off uh, John Williams's career and get into the 2020s um, but uh, more Joe Hisashi and a promised classical repertoire with him coming up next after that as well and who has the next oh with, sorry with that yes <laughs> I suppose that's my cue I'm ready for my close up <laughs> Mr. DeMille um, with that my name is Hunter Sagona I'm Mary Haddix now I'm Sean Ramkunis and keep listening to what you love